Good morning, everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. I'm so excited to be here this morning. So appreciate you uh, participating in our REMC men's group. So it's great, to, great, great to see, uh, great to see you here. Great to see some new faces as well. So uh, glad you've been able to join us today. Um, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to ask uh, Tom to open us in prayer. Gentlemen, before we pray, I um, simply want to say thank you for what you're doing to make this monthly men's group such a success. Uh, I know it's a rainy kind of morning today, and imagine some guys are staying home because of that. Maybe that's you know, been a hindrance to our attendance, but what a good attendance we've had consistently. And we're grateful for your support, grateful for your prayers for this particular part of our men's ministry. Uh, I wanted to say to you, though, that Bethlehem comes up this week. Are you all familiar with Bethlehem? A morning and evening Bethlehem. Grateful to some of you that pitch in to help, but just um, hope y'all will come first and foremost. Uh, bring grandchildren, children. It's a it's a great event. But then on Sunday afternoon, immediately following the eleven o'clock worship service, Bethlehem has to come down and come down quickly. And uh, if any of you have an extra hour uh, to give on Sunday afternoon to maybe stop by and help us take some things down and put some things away and storm for the year, we would greatly appreciate that. So, uh, Mike, I add that to your mission. Uh, opportunities <laughs> coming up, but we, that would be very helpful. Really immediately after, as soon as, uh, things are done about 1215, 1230, we start to, uh, it, it starts to come down because we need to have things ready for that night for the youth program and everything else that goes on. So it's a fairly quick turnaround and anything you can do. I know CUC is very helpful in building props and things like that. And, uh, but anything y'all can do to help us get that, uh, put away for next year, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you again for your faithfulness in being here. Let's have a prayer to get things started. Father, we thank you so much for this new day. In these first few steps of the new day, we come now to place our hearts in your hands, to acknowledge once again your presence in our lives and the need for you to help us through each and every day. Lord, we know this day presents in some cases around these tables challenges. In some cases, there are real opportunities. In some cases, it's just a day of celebration even. But Lord, wherever we come from, whatever season of life that we are experiencing right now, whatever we have facing us, we know you're with us. And we pray that whatever level of need we have this day, that you would come into our lives, into our hearts, and remind us over and over again how much you love us. Father, we also are mindful of um, the needs of these men. We all come to these tables again from different circumstances and situations. Some of us are dealing with situations where we're underemployed or facing difficulties at work. Others of us may be facing difficulties in the home, relationships with spouses, children, family members. Others of us are facing illness and sickness and possible surgeries. And pray, Lord, that you would grant your healing and your peace and your comfort in those circumstances. But once again, Lord, wherever we are, we know you love us. And we pray that you would help us, first and foremost, to be the man that you called us to be. To be men who truly, who truly represent discipleship. That we would walk faithfully in your way. And help us to realize, Lord, that in all things we need to lift up and glorify your precious and holy name. Thank you, Father, for this time we share here together this morning. We thank you for John and his his passion for missions and the call you've placed upon his heart. And pray, Lord, that you will open our ears to hear the word that you've given him to share with us this morning. Thank you again for this time. Thank you for each man here, for each family represented. We pray your blessing upon us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Tom, and um, uh, appreciate uh, appreciate you opening us in prayer. We want to be uh, we want to be 
want to make sure that during this, you know, during this time that we're always uh, praising God and, and giving Him the glory. So, thanks be God for this morning. Um, so, for the folks that uh, um, that have been here uh, before, you've heard this, but for the folks that are new, uh, you'll see there's a couple of things that are on your uh, table, and one of them is a uh, an overview of our program, as well as the dates that we have for upcoming uh, upcoming meetings. And you'll see on that, and we're going to go through in a little bit further detail at the end of the meeting, but you'll see that on that that uh, really the purpose of, of our time here together is, is to, one, uh, to connect men in the church, but two, is really to encourage people to take the next step in their faith walk, wherever that may be. Um, whether someone is new uh, walking uh, with the Lord or if, if someone's been walking with the Lord for a long time, we hope that you will be encouraged, inspired, and as well supported uh, by the men that are around you here this morning. And so we're, we're um, as part of that, what we're doing is we've uh, asked a number of different men that are in the church, in the life of the church, who are passionate disciples, to, to come and, and, and talk about their walk, talk about the impact that they've had. And um, I, I mentioned earlier that when we were putting this together, I surveyed several men in the church, several leaders, and asked, you know, who who should we who should we invite to come speak? And on every list was John Pearson. And uh, John uh, is a relatively new friend of mine. I've, I've uh, been watching him closely over the last couple of years uh, as we've gotten involved in a couple of things together. Um, and uh, he's well known within our church for his heart for missions. Um, but Jesus said that passionate disciples will be known by the way that they love one another. And the thing that I've seen about John um, is that prayer is so important to him. Everything he does is rooted in prayer. And the other thing about John that I've noticed is his prayers are always about others. And it's about asking God to do great things through others. While this is a man that's got a heart for missions, this is a man with a compassionate heart. And if you have the opportunity to spend some time with him and to, more importantly, maybe serve with him, uh, his faith and, and the love of Christ are evident here. So with that, John, I'm going to turn it over to you. Appreciate you being here today. Thank you, friend. I don't do electronics, by the way. I'm an extemporaneous speaker. Now, for those of you who are from Auburn or Mississippi State like me, that means usually from the cuff. <clears throat> and is that working? Everybody here okay? And I'm going to move around a, a little bit. Um, thank you, Tim. Before I'm going to speak, I've got a little handout there we'll, we'll get to in a minute. It's called Becoming a Passionate Disciple of Jesus Christ. But when I thought about this and Tim asked me to speak, First of all, I didn't, I don't understand a thing Tim says. He's going to get a translator from me before. <clears throat> so I, I had a voicemail from him. I, that's why I do emails. I don't have to interpret what people say. I hung up for listening to his voicemail and he wants me to teach something, but I don't have a clue what it is. But he sent me an email and we got it all straight and he sent me a list of speakers and I said, well, let's see who else is speaking. And Rusty started and, and, uh, and then we, we had, uh, um, um, Jason. And being a recovering Mississippian, that was important for me to know because they're recovering Alabamians. They ain't any smarter than I am. <laughs> now, I can speak English correctly, but I prefer Southern. And I'm going to use ain't, and I'm going to use some, probably some dad gums and stuff like that. Now, Brother Tom, this is planned to be scripturally correct, but sometimes I don't let facts get in the way of a good story. <clears throat> if I wander very far, I want you to correct me, but give me a little grace if I'm close enough. Okay, I want to do that. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. 
Um, but anyway, after looking at, at Rusty and, and uh, Jason both, they were also Auburn folks. So it's a piece of cake when you're from Southern Miss and Mississippi State, right? And uh, uh thing I like about I'm a, I'm a Dryden Wool SEC fan. I don't care who's playing. If you're playing an SEC team, I root for you. Unlike some of my good Auburn friends, um, Rusty Gordon and Neil um, Reynolds and Lee Dodson. So last year during the SEC playoff, I knew they were watching. I knew, I don't, even though it was Alabama and Georgia, of course. So at halftime, I sent them an email and I said, now, <clears throat> I want to know after this game is over and Alabama wins, because I knew Alabama was going to win. And, uh, I said, who are you going to root for when they play Notre Dame? And I quickly heard back pretty quick from, uh, Rusty and from Neil that much as they hated to, I mean, they really hated to, they'd still be for Alabama, but is, but, uh, Lee Dodson emailed me back and said, John, there can be no good outcome of this game. I'm getting my green stuff together. So you Auburn people are, are, I love you, but you're a little weird, especially what you do with toilet paper. It's kind of strange after a win, throwing it all over the trees at Toomer's Corner before the Alabama guy, but they're going to fix all that. I want to be a little bit, uh, I do. Um, like to speak about missions in Peru because I don't have to use any notes or mountains. I teach uh, uh, parks and recreation areas up at Hike Inn, and I don't have to have any notes to do all that. But I'm going to stick to notes. This is a pretty serious subject, and I'm I'm uh, flattered and humbled that that somebody would think that I um, uh, know enough to that the subject is how do you become a passionate disciple of Jesus Christ? Because there's five or six things that I think are pretty important to that. That have, have led me. Sometimes it's going to sound like I'm preaching, and that's okay. There'll be some forgiveness in the room. I, I always manage to hurt some people's feelings about something usually, but it probably won't be on purpose, and I'll do my best maybe to, to make that not very many. I'm going to start with a couple of definitions, first of all, and, and these are not in the website. This is just what I gather from things. First of all, they're Christian country club members, um, people who maybe are false converts, as I was for many years. Um, they are good people. They come to church. They occupy a pew, throw a few dollars in the offering plate occasionally, go to Sunday school, um, but they've never accepted Jesus Christ. There are um, a lot of those, and most of the good people, and I know a lot of them, there's some in my family, think they're going to heaven when all this is over with, and they probably are not. Um, then there are secularists who believe that everybody goes to heaven, that there's all kinds of paths, like a mountain. Well, you know, all of you know, my, one of my other passions is climbing mountains. There's a lot of ways to get up a big mountain, but there ain't a lot of ways to get to heaven. I'm sorry. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. So those, I want to talk about those groups as I go through. Then there are Christian followers of Jesus who have accepted Jesus into their heart, and they put God as number one in their life. And, uh, and and those are the people that I'm going to be referring to today. The first thing important to me, and, and not in this particular order, but it just happens, I've changed this order 19 times. Uh, but it's about obedience. First and foremost, everything about God starts with obedience. From Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren says this, God doesn't owe you an explanation for everything he asks you to do. Understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. We all know that we can't be saved by works. It's not a big scoreboard like it is at all the stadiums, you know, with a point system up there. 
you go on a mission trip, you get a plus on your side of the board. You, uh, you, you, you hit a ball into the rough and you say a few words you shouldn't have said and you get a minus and you add all those up and at the end you stand up there and God says, well, you got 6,741,000 pluses and 5,600,000 minuses. Come on in. It doesn't work that way, right? We're not saved by works, by things we do. But after we are saved, there are works that God has for us to do. There are plans he has for our life since we were in the womb. So that's when we get those. And obedience unlocks that, when we obey what God asks us to do. God says he has a plan for us. Next thing I want to talk about is the Bible. I don't know how any of us can be a passionate disciple of Jesus and not know our handbook backwards and forwards. Um, part of my walk when I was a false convert was taking disciple classes starting in 1992. Um, and I took disciple one and I taught it, facilitated it, the Methodist word, whatever that means. That's too long for me. Recovering Mississippians don't do big words a lot of time. So, um, uh, four or five times, and I did Disciple 2 with Dave Benson. Some of you remember him and did Disciple 3 and taught all those and everything. I gained a lot of knowledge, and I gained some wisdom that way. I understood, finally, God's plan. And then on March 25th, 1995, Holy Spirit tapped me and says, you got a lot of knowledge and some wisdom now, even for a recovering Mississippi, and it's time for you to get the Word and do what I had planned for you to do, and I did, or, or, or tried to. Um, so I did all that. Now, Rusty had a Sally Dialing story. I have a Sally Dialing story, too, just as good as his. Um, somewhere around the middle of the 90s, I'll tell Rusty, I said, I knew he wasn't going to be here so I could use his name. And and um, he's in Cleveland. Bless that boy. We ought to pray for him today. And um, and and so, uh, but Sally was in charge of adult education or whatever it was way back then and disciple classes. And I had been doing disciple for six or seven years. And I was tired. I said, I'm going to take a break. I'm not going to teach anything this year and just just uh, take a break. So during the summer, she uh, sent me a phone. This is before we were emailing all the time. Let's on my voicemail and said, John, we need one more disciple one teacher. And I called her back and said, Sally, I'm going to take a rest this year. But if God tells me different then I'll be glad to teach. She returned my call the next to me on voicemail. She said, duh, John, I'm representing God. Are you going <laughs> to teach or not? <laughs> Needless to say, I talked. And, uh, so that's my Sally story. She was a, she was a, a great woman and a, and a pretty quick thinker. So, um, so we're, nowadays we're challenged, um, about the Bible being true. The secularist. Is the Bible really true? The secularists would have us believe what? That means you're supposed to speak. All things are equal. Every Everything is equal. You can have this, you can have that. That's right. What else does the secularist tell us about the Bible? What do they What do they say? So you hadn't read it either? The parables. What? The parables, they're stories. Yeah, they're just stories. Even myths, right? Chris Matthews. Oh, shouldn't be talking about people, right, Brother Tom? I believe all those myths from tribes and stuff like that. What else do they have us believe? Did you did you see? I do not read the New York Times. But yesterday, uh, I did see a program where they were quoting from an article, and it said, quote, nuclear families of the 1950s are dead today. 
That's not the nuclear family of the 1950s. That's God's plan in the Bible for thousands of years is about families. In other words, Ozzie and Harriet and David and Ricky, not there. You don't know about all of you. You ever heard of Ozzie? No, okay. Trust me, it's, it's true. And all of us guys, we did Ozzie and Harriet and stuff, most of us. But, um, they're saying that the, that the, that's another thing they would have us too is our families are dead nowadays and the new family is going to be this one. They were, they were projecting where you wrote out a contract on who you married and whether you had sex and how many times you did and who paid the and, and they went on to outline that and and then I switched to something else after that. What else? D- d- wouldn't the uh doesn't the secularist um don't they say that what was it? Kenny did you have something? No, nothing at all. Well keep your dad gum mouth shut then. Quit, quit mumbling. It makes me think you're talking about me. So um they say that, that the Bible is based on tribal beliefs. They'll say uh, it's only for the weak people and the conservatives or the far right. They'll say that, uh, that some of it's true, that you can pick some of it out, and there are good sayings and things. So they'd have us to believe all this kind of stuff. Now, if we are passionate followers of Jesus Christ, we do not have the luxury of questioning the Bible. We do have the, have the obligation to read it and find out how it plays in our life and to study it as in disciple classes and other classes too. By the way, this is right, this is called brain drain. The first lady that taught, maybe somebody remember, taught prayer in our church, it was twenty years ago. And I don't know about you, but when I have devotion and when I'm uh when I'm everywhere I go, I have to have something that when when I'm listening to a speaker and all of a sudden I'm reminded at ten thirty I gotta pick up my truck today and take cheesecakes to Rome. I gotta make a note of something. And of course the speaker thinks I'm writing down something important. Right about the lesson. So this is, I, I gave this out so it can be brain drained our notes about what happened there. Um, but, um, one has to study the Bible, even use Bible dictionaries, concordances, and things like that to get the meaning from what it says. We gain knowledge, uh, anywhere, but we gain wisdom through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit. The important thing for us is a, is a non-Christian person can read the same scripture we do. And because we are following Jesus and have the Holy Spirit, they will not have the same understanding. Um, people don't understand that, but we make we know that that's clear in the Bible. A daily devotion is one of the things that helped transform my life. Is is having a, a day, um, a time every day where I can go to a place that's planned out, and I can 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 have my. I started off with what this lady taught. She taught, first of all, you give um, praise. You start with and you give some thanksgiving. And the longest finger is for confession of sins because most of us probably have a lot more to do that. Then third, you do um, uh, petition and then intercession. So you develop those five things and all the time you listen to what God will tell you. I find that when I am in my devotion time um, and I am, am praying like I should be and listening, God will speak to me there. And would give me some answers about what I personally need to go. My life has been transformed to a much uh, different kind of prayer uh, now, but but that was a good start. Is listening. When you speak to God, He listens and He answers prayer. We might not always like the answers. He says yes, no, and maybe, and maybe means wait. Um, two weeks ago, I had a prayer answered during church service. I mean. I've been praying about this since June, since we were with the Oshinaka in the jungle. Just something happened. I didn't have, um, I needed, I needed an answer for it. 
Boom. I don't know why. Right during church service, there it was. I said, thank you, Lord. It's about time. I've been waiting for months on that, and it, and it worked out. How does God speak to us? That means, okay. Yes, sir. We had a retreat several years ago, and Frank Matt is one of our associates. Yeah. Okay. How else does God speak to us? Through what means? The Bible? Through the Word? Through Sally Dowling? Wise counselors and wise people? Christian friends? Coincidences, exactly. Things kind of come together and say, whoop, that must be what happens. It's incredible how those things happen. Just divine appointments, exactly. There are a lot of ways. He also thinks through, through music. Through books, men in prayer. I'm, I'm blessed to, to coordinate men in prayer here for seven years. Some people thought I was smart enough to think of that all on my own. And, but that was not the case. I'm reading a book by prayer and fasting by, what's his name? I can't remember his name. And it was talked about forming a group of men as a ministry that would pray for pastors and staff every day, 24 7, 365. And I just, it's just something I'm supposed to do. And, uh, and so it is. So God will speak to you when you're reading books and will nudge you about doing something. And, uh, that's where obedience comes in. Obedience keeps you busy. You must be in His will to hear and understand what God says to you. You need to be in His will and obedience to understand. Salvation, where we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior in our life. Where I talked about false converts, but followers of Jesus produce fruit. <clears throat> followers of Jesus produce fruit. In other words, after they have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, they get into doing what God has planned for them to do since the womb. They get into doing the stuff that doesn't save them, but he has plans for them to do. I see people that are, you mentioned the CUC. I saw Al and a bunch of guys working uh, over in the dot on Monday. There are people that can build stuff. There are people that can lead mission teams. There are people that can do all kinds of things. But followers of Jesus produce fruit. They are doing something that furthers the kingdom. Um, you're also witnessing to God. Dear God, if heaven is so great and you want us to be with you till the end of time forever and ever, why in the world did you leave me here on earth with all these dying sinners? Why do you think he did that? We're supposed to go tell them, right? That's what it's about. Why did he leave me here amongst all you guys. So a Christian obeys God, accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior, produces fruit, serves as a witness to others. If you want the best book I've ever read about what, about God's plan for us, I'm going to tell you what it is right now. It is called The Epic of Eden, and it is by Sandra Richter. I heard her speak at the Mission Society Gathering twice. Most brilliant Bible teacher I have ever heard. Good night. Except for Tom, of course. And, and, uh, <clears throat> um, but it's, uh, it's the story of why we're here and what we're supposed to do. It is incredible. Uh, but it's a great book to get. Sandra Richter, R-I-C-H-T-E-R. She is Bible teacher, specializes in New Testament at, uh, Wheaton Bible College, I think, in Illinois. Perspectives of the World Christian Movement. This was so important to me. Uh, it's what Mark and Chuhi, a heel sponsor. That's where I learned the real meaning of missions in Matthew um, 18 to 20, which says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. These are Jesus' last words. These are red words. 
Okay? All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the earth. Jesus says he gives us the power, the authority, not the power. Some translations, by the way, say power. The big difference in power and authority. Satan has power, but he does not have authority. Jesus gives us the authority to go and make disciples in all nations. Where? All nations. Everywhere. He does not say you ought to think about going. He doesn't say maybe it's something you ought to look at. He does not say please go. He says go. Pretty clear. It's a command. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our Trinity, and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. This year we went to the Ashaninka, that tribe in the jungle, and we left electronic Bibles. Most of the people in the world who are unreached hear by stories, and they're right now, they're listening to those Bibles, because that was a part we couldn't do in Peru. We couldn't teach them, uh, but by now we can do that. And lo, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. The first time I pulled up on that bank with the Ashaninka in Peru, I didn't know Tom, if they were going to eat us or welcome us. But I knew Jesus was with me. So I was either going to taste good or they were going to say, hello, one. And and they said, hello, one. There are four billion people in the world who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Four billion with a B. About half of those have never heard the name of Jesus. Never heard. I've been blessed enough to be with people who have never heard of Jesus for the first time. Yes, I know there are people here, but John, there's so many in Roswell that need saving. We don't need to go. Pardon my whining, but if you are living in the United States of America and you are not saved, you have rejected Jesus Christ. You've had the opportunity. I'm sorry about that, but you can't throw a rubber ball in Roswell without it hitting three churches before it'll stop. And that's pretty well true of the United States. Other people have never heard. So, um, our, our field is in a different place. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No end comes to the Father. What, 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 what? Got a hit. Where was Jesus to be found on earth? Where did we find Jesus on earth? Well, he was uh, with the poor. He was with the homeless. He was in the temple. He was with a prostitute at one time, teaching her that she wasn't supposed to do that. Uh, he was with uh, whatever that word is. I can't read it. That was early this morning. He was doing miracles. He was on mountaintops. I love that about Jesus. I love mountaintops, too. He was in the people, but was not. he was among the people, but not in them. And that's where we're supposed to be, in the world, but not of the world. We're supposed to be away from the church, out in other places where the lost are, but not part of them, not believing like they do. In the world, but not of the world. But John, that's too exclusive. You Christians always like to be exclusive. Yep, we are exclusive. Most all religions are exclusive. A lot of times we want to be too politically correct and say, oh, we're really not exclusive. Yes, we are. I'm sorry. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That doesn't say a few, does it, can get in. It says nobody does. We are exclusive. We believe that nobody is going to come to heaven except through Jesus Christ, period. That's red words, too, by the way. In my notes, it's even red. But I can't misquote that. We can't be squishy about this. It's kind of like my friend Mose Allison, Mississippi, when he, he was messed up and went to Ole Miss. But other than that, he wrote some great gospel uh, 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 blues songs. One of them was called, Is You Is or Is You Ain't My Baby. So this is, Is You Is or Is You Ain't a Believer. It's one way or the other. That's that's the way that it is. I'm not sure who said this, but it was either D. James Kennedy or Adrian Rogers, both uh, famous preachers. Adrian was of a, a big Baptist church, and I think he's the one that did it. And here's what he says. 
There can be no substitute for total victory, and our mission field is the world. We have not been called to hold the fort, but to storm the heights. I get goosebumps thinking about it. That's a war, isn't it, Bob? That's what we're supposed to do. Storm the dadgum heights. Not sit back and say, but that's too exclusive. You know, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to hurt anybody's, most people's feelings. But, but we are who we are if we're passionate followers of Jesus. And we have to find a way to get that across to people in love and the way that Jesus would do it. That's the hard part. Finally, spiritual warfare. Somebody at the first service, remember, when Mike was talking about spiritual warfare a couple of months ago, he looked over at me and said, John, I bet there's evil spirits in Peru too, aren't you? And I, I just kind of smiled, and yes, there are. There are just as many evil spirits here as there are in Peru, but we don't recognize them um, like, like, uh, like we do there. In the Bible, in the New Testament, who was recognized as the caster out of evil spirits and demons? Jesus was. You read the New Testament... We like to think that nowadays those evil spirits and demons and Satan and everything, they were way back in the old days. Mm, I don't believe so. I don't think that's right. Um, uh, but Jesus was the caster out of the demons. In Jesus' name, two years ago in Peru, in Tenyati, Peru, we had 21 people on our team, so we had time to make some house calls and Billy Drum. You know, you and I have the authority to heal people. We do. We don't have the faith to do it is the problem. Jesus gave us the authority and power to do all that. Billy Drum knew he had that power, and I had never seen it before. Um, so we made some house calls, and Billy, they were in Peru with Arthur Ivy, but now they're in Spain. Billy um, took some of our doctors and two of our others, and he made some house calls. Went to this one house where the lady brought her child out. She was 16 years old and never walked. She walked like a dog on all fours, never walked. Had an old hop sack one-piece thing on, it was kind of barefooted, sad-looking, um, um, a, a terror look on her face. And um, Jesus, would, I mean, uh, uh, um, Billy was talking to the mother and mentioned Jesus, and the girl came up off the ground and attacked Billy's head, knocked his glasses off. And, and I've got pictures of all of it. And, and Billy grabbed her and told the missionaries, grab this girl and start praying for healing and casting out of demons and evil spirits in Jesus' name. And they did. They held that girl for 15 minutes trying to cast out. Billy knew that, that she could be healed. He knew she was demon-possessed or bad spirit was there, wherever it was. 15 minutes, the girl started relaxing, and then they let her go. She was standing but couldn't stand very much. Remember, she had never walked, and, and, and she had a little smile on her face. Um, they cast the demons out. Billy knew that. He knew what Jesus said was true. We don't have the faith. I don't. Maybe you do. Maybe you do these kind of things, but I just don't have the faith to, I, I know I've been, and I've been in the midst of, I, I was in, in a, in a possession of some kind in Peru. Don't tell people that though, or they'll, they won't go to Peru with me anymore. But, but there was a very difficult decision to be made, and I didn't know what to do. The second trip we made to Peru. And I went to my room to think about it and tossed and tumbled. I've never felt like that before in my life. And two ladies came and called me out of the, the uh, hotel and prayed over me, who are two of my closest friends now, and uh, and cast out in Jesus' name. And, and it worked. I've seen that. I was in the room. I was in the room when God came in and saved my granddaughter. I was there. I was there, scared out of my mind and praying. Remember this. The higher you go up in leadership, 
The more you do with Jesus Christ, the more Satan and his minions will attack you. Also remember this. If you are not under Satan's attack, you are walking, we are walking the same trail he is. And he has no fear of us. Oh, Lord, help me never to get in that situation. And finally this. The closer you get on earth to where Jesus is, the harder things get and the more spiritual attacks will be the norm. One of our major sections in going to Peru is uh, is talking about the spiritual things that we see there. Let's bow our heads. Father, we're so thankful to gather today. We ask that, that you be with us as we complete the rest of our day. We're thankful to be able to talk about things about being passionate followers of Jesus, Lord, in a free country. Lord, we pray that the message was adequately presented and received. We ask that you lead us and guide us as men in our church, in our families, in our country, in the world. And whatever it means to each one of us, that you would lead us to go and make disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, that didn't get you. Uh, did, that didn't get you fired up to storm the heights. You need to get another cup of coffee this morning. So, <laughs> thank you, John. I really appreciate that. Uh, speaking of storming the heights, one of the ways we can storm the heights is we can we can serve others, and uh, we can also serve the church. And uh, with that, I'm going to ask Mike Phelps to join us and uh, talk about some opportunities that we have. Uh, you know, this is the this is the season of giving, and uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of opportunities to give, and a lot is being asked of us at this time. And uh, hopefully we'll continue to have some people uh, answer the call because I believe we have in, in the last couple of months. So I know some of those people are in this room, and I appreciate your service. Uh, thank you for, do, for what you do. And thank you for being here this morning. And thank you. So many of you volunteered last month at the um, annual Thanksgiving dinner, and it was great. It was I think it was the best best one we've had yet. It was definitely the best Thanksgiving I think I've ever had. Um, yes, people, sir. How many people showed up? Um, well, I know we served about 180 meals. We had a lot of volunteers. Um, I know we had close to 100 guests that came. Um, and a lot of the volunteers, those are folks that didn't have a place to be for Thanksgiving, too. So it was a great way to spend spend the holiday. Um, we had ladies from um, Mary Hall Freedom House, which was... It was um, they had to really work to get the privilege to be here. So they called months ago and saying, you're going to have that meal again. We really want to come. Um, we had a lot of spontaneous family reunions that occurred there. It's a safe environment for people to come. Um, there were women there that, because of the treatment program they're in, they're not able to, to spend time with their families or spend time with their children. A lady came up to me in tears and said, I got to feed my baby for the first time in three months. Her baby was about this big. But um, it was great, you know, great opportunity. And thank you all for, for your help with that. And thank you to the RUMC Foundation, too. You know, just want to let you all know that the RUMC Foundation endowment funds paid for the entire cost of that meal. So greatly appreciated. And also thanks to, I know, I know there's several guys in the room that helped clean up the children's playground. And um, that was great. I mean, it not only cleaned it up and spruced things up, but it made it a lot safer for our little preschoolers down there. So thank you. Um, some of the opportunities for this month, um, you'll see on your sheet. One is with the Drake House. That's one of our mission partners. And we have a family that RUMC supports at the Drake House. The family consists of a mother and three little boys. 
and we are hoping to find um, some folks that are willing to sponsor that family for Christmas. Um, the Drake House has a list of items that the family needs. They don't want to do anything extravagant. They don't want to go over the top. They want to keep it um, modest. You know, the family's going to be on their own soon, and, you know, they want to keep the kids' expectations realistic. But um, we would love to, to help them have Christmas. Um, if you're interested, please let me know today because it's already the 5th, and I'd love to see them get a Christmas tree up um, this weekend. So if, if it's something you consider, just let me know today if you would. Um, we're always looking at this time of year for, for extra um, ushers and greeters. We're going to have a lot of visitors, a lot of people from the community coming um, to the concerts and to the Christmas Eve services. So we would love to have you there um, showering people with love. It's a great opportunity um, to, get, to get people in the church and for them to see just how, how wonderful it can be here. So please consider that. Um, the Bethlehem Teardown, um, next Sunday at 1215. Um, and uh, we do need extra hands and help with that. It can, with the more people that are there, the quicker it goes. So that would be greatly appreciated. Um, and one other opportunity we have, that it's not until January, but we're, we have to plan ahead for this one, um, is with our Family Promise um, organization. Um, that's the organization where um, we provide temporary housing for homeless families in the Dodd um, four times a year. The families are here for a week. Um, but it's a lot of work um, getting the family into the Dodd for that week, kind of setting it up, and then breaking it down. Um, with enough help, it takes about an hour. You know, just unloading some trucks, unloading some of their belongings. Um, and also, it's a great way for your family to volunteer. The kids can write welcome notes to their, you know, the kids. And the program has been wildly successful. We've had, um, we've, we've hosted four times, and four of the families that we've hosted um, have already been able to transition, move on, get jobs, be on their own. Um, so it's it's neat to see that it really works. So thank you for your, your consideration of those. Um, my contact in, information is on there, so just let me know. Thank you, gentlemen. So uh, thank you for that. We're going we're gonna to end a little bit differently because of the time at this point. A um, couple of things. is One, this is the Christmas season, and this is a time, um, uh, this is a time that, that, uh, that a lot of people come back to the church. We're also entering the new year. It's a time where a lot of people are ready to make some new commitments. And I would just pray that each and every one of us are listening very carefully to the people that are around us and that our eyes will be opened to the opportunities that we have to invite them to follow Jesus, maybe in a new way, maybe in a deeper way. I would ask that uh, that you take this with you. You know, a lot of men might not come to church on a Sunday, various reasons. They may be, or come to our church, they may be a... Uh, they may be a cultural Christian. Um, they may be, uh, you know, just following a, going a different direction. But they will come here with you. And I would, I would ask you that during this Christmas season and as we enter the new year and as you're engaged in, in, with the relationship with other men, that your, your eyes and your ears are open and, uh, that this could be a forum which other people will come to, to know Jesus. So please bring this with you. Uh, it's on all the, all the tables. And uh, keep in mind that our next meeting is January 9th. We'll have Bob Fletcher uh, to be with us. We uh, we close in prayer, and usually we, we regather, but because of the time, I'm just going to ask you to, to meet with somebody that we're going to head out from here. I, I just want to share with you what my prayer, what would I would be. Um, and, and I know it's been, a, it's been a hard week, but I just want to say publicly, I am thankful for Rick Page. 
And my heart goes out to many of you who are a lot closer to him than I was. And uh, I experienced God through Rick. And I'm grateful for him. And he encouraged me. I hope in turn I can encourage you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Please make a moment with one of our friends. And then hope you have a blessed day. In Jesus' name, amen.